Hello everyone, Sarah Wrights here. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited for this episode. Today we'll be talking with Dr Gemma Newman. Dr Newman is a plant-based advocate and a GP from the UK and she has done some incredible work. This episode will be delving into the benefits of plant-based nutrition, how Gemma is using this in practice as a GP and lots of new exciting things in addition to Gemma's new book, The Plant Powered Doctor. I'm really, really excited. I think you'll absolutely love this episode. Unfortunately, my microphone didn't pick up too much, so I'm really sorry, but my voice is a little bit muffled, but Dr. Newman sounds fantastic. Um, So we'll get going with this and I hope you enjoy. So Dr. Gemma Newman has worked as a doctor, public speaker and plant-based advocate since 2004. Graduating from the University of Wales College of Medicine, she has worked in many specialities, including endocrinology, elderly care, paediatrics, psychiatry and general surgery, rehabilitation and general practice. Dr. Newman is a founding member and ambassador for Plant-Based Health Professionals UK and has a special interest in holistic health, plant-based nutrition and lifestyle medicine. In her practice, she has come to understand that the body, mind and soul are not separate and that it is only in addressing the root causes of stress and disconnection that we can truly heal from the inside out. Thank you so much for joining me today, Gemma. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. Ah, um, I am an absolute huge fan of your work, and um, I know that one of your quotes is one um, by Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Um, There comes a point when we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. What's, where did this inspire you and throughout your practice, what made you go into researching the benefits of a plant-based diet? Well, I, I always wanted to be a doctor. Well, I say always, I wanted to be a children's TV presenter when I was about 10, but after that, I wanted to be a doctor because it meant a lot to me to be able to try and help people get well. And um, it it just had a real appeal to it. And, and when I went through my training, um, I was so excited to be a doctor and I started out in clinical practice and I realized that the reality of the job was very different to what I dreamed it might be. Um, and I knew that general practice was the way forward for me because I love the idea of being connected to people throughout their life course, you know, from birth to death and in between and seeing their children grow up and being a part of creating health in that way. But um, I realized that my toolbox was only half full and I would tinker with medications, I would follow guidelines, um, and yet I noticed that my patients weren't getting better. We were managing their chronic diseases, uh, but they were gradually declining, um, as as you would expect with a chronic disease, to the point where you, you didn't really feel as though you were doing anything good at all. And it got to a point where I thought, there must be something else that I can do that will help people. And of course, when you're in a role, uh, a therapeutic role, listening is really important. I I discovered that really early on. Um, But I think probably the most powerful tool in the toolbox um, has been plant-based nutrition, um, because I've tried lots of things with patients over the years. um, And number one is listening to what they need, what they want. But the second most important thing, at least to start with, is what they put on their plate, because it's something very practical that they can they can shift if they want to. Um, and it's something that can have the most powerful short term effects, uh, which then hopefully propels them forward in different ways, because I'm passionate about all sorts of aspects of lifestyle medicine. But I found that plant based nutrition has been the most powerful um, of the interventions that, that I talk to my patients about in terms of lifestyle change. Uh, and it's been you know it's been a real it's been a real game changer to be honest with you i've seen patients um been able to improve inflammatory bowel conditions um asthma uh, reverse low grade prostate cancer improve high blood pressure to the point where they didn't need medications um you know there's been uh, type 2 diabetes being able to come off medications for that you know there's such a long list of of things that it can be helpful for um and yeah i've been so passionate ever since i first learned about it that that um you know if if my patients were were able and willing um then they were able to see great results that's incredible i'm so excited to delve deeper into these topics with you just to clarify for our listeners 
what would you describe um, is a plant-based diet? Um, well, essentially, it's a, it's a diet that is predominantly plants. When people are talking about plant-based, if you see it in the supermarket, something describes itself as plant-based, you know that it's not got any animal products in it. Although when it comes to diet, people can have quite an array of different dietary patterns that have a predominantly plant-based tilt. You know, Mediterranean, Thai, Chinese, African cuisine, Mexican. You know, There's lots of different kinds of cuisine that fit into predominantly plant-based. When I talk about whole foods plant-based, generally speaking, it means no animal products and a massive um, emphasis on whole foods, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, lentils, chickpeas, herbs and spices, nuts and seeds, water for, um, for a thirst for the most part. And, and that's, that's the real kind of cornerstone of what it means. Um, veganism is a lifestyle that aims to um, limit suffering and so that's quite a slight distinction there between what you're eating and what you're choosing as the lifestyle so you can be vegan and that would mean that you're avoiding as much suffering as possible therefore you avoid animal products on your plate but you also avoid animal products um, as other byproducts of your life like leather for example um, makeup cleaning products, that sort of thing. Whereas um, when you're eating plant-based, it really is about what you're putting on your plate um, rather than what you're avoiding. Does that make sense? It does, yes. And I think that it's so important to kind of um, make sure that people understand the difference between the two. Um, in terms of a plant-based diet, it's not something that is commonly sort of adopted, even though it is becoming more and more popular. I read somewhere that um, in a medical degree, you get minimal nutritional training. Um, at what point was it where you discovered a plant-based diet? I think I read somewhere about your husband and his marathon training. Yeah, so, um, I mean, it's interesting actually, because I've been, I've been curious about how to help people towards health for a long time. And I remember when I was a junior doctor struggling with exhaustion, quite frankly, you know, I was young, I was in my early 20s, and I was trying to do night shifts, and I would fall asleep at the dinner table after a long shift. I thought, I can't live like this. This is my career. I've got to be able to keep going. And before that, I never really thought much about food. I just ate what I fancied when I fancied. Um, but I wasn't looking after myself. Uh, I'd eat late at night, I'd snack in the doctor's mess, I would just eat whatever was on the ward. I wasn't thinking about where my food was coming from. I just eat and I, I wasn't even though I was rushing around the wards I didn't exercise I wasn't sleeping properly because of all the night shifts and I realized oh I feel so sluggish I need to turn this around and back then as you say I hadn't really covered nutrition in medical school um, but I'd kind of taken in the background hum that you know low carb was good and calorie counting was was of course the way to go because you know you eat less and you move more therefore you lose weight. Very simplistic ideas about, about the body and about health and about weight loss. Um, but I went with it and I did get some results. I managed to get a lot more energy. I was exercising every day. I did drop some dress sizes. Um, I was you know, feeling a lot more energized and positive about myself and my abilities to keep working and hopefully inspiring my patients. And yet, I checked my blood panel and I still had a raised cholesterol. So I was in my 20s. I have a strong family history of heart disease and I had a high lipid profile, which was really disappointing because I thought I'd done everything I could to minimize my risk of heart disease. But my grandfather died young of a heart attack and I didn't know it then, but my father was also going to suffer the same fate. He died young um, of a heart attack as well. Um, but I thought, well, that's all I can do. You know, I just have to start on medications and I'm, I'm healthy. Um, I'm in the normal kind of weight range. Um, I've got a lot of energy. I'm just going to, you know, keep doing what I do. And that's my genetic destiny. And then fast track a few years later, you mentioned my husband. He did um, run the London Marathon. But he kept on getting a lot of injuries and inflammation. So he thought, well, is it my running technique? He went, you know, he went to try and fix that. Is it the, my trainers? He went to fix that, but he still was getting problems. So he thought to himself, well, what, what can I do differently? Um, and he looked at what ultra marathon runners do. 
because he thought if I'm struggling to run a marathon, you know, it's about 26 miles. How is it that these guys can run 100 miles without any problem? Like, what are they doing differently? So he read Rich Roll's book, Finding Ultra. He read Brendan Brazier's book, um, which is Thrive. He helped uh, Hugh Jackman get really ripped for his um, Wolverine role. And I think he helped the, uh, the Williams sisters, the tennis, um, uh, well, yeah, pros. Um, and so he read his book and oh scott jurek born to run and he thought oh. wow, they're all <laughs> reading it at the moment <laughs> and he thought yeah i'm gonna do the same because maybe that will help me and i was quite skeptical um because not having any kind of idea about what these ultra runners were up to i thought well they're not medical how do they know you know is he gonna have some sort of nutritional issue and I was actually also quite worried about my social life, if I'm honest with you, because at the time and even now, you know, it seems quite fringe, doesn't it? Um, but he did it and he did it so, so well. He managed to avoid all the inflammation that he was getting before. He was running with a lot more ease. He was able to recover much more quickly between runs. He'd do a marathon and then look after the kids when he got home. And I, I just thought, wow. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Um, he managed to do his next London marathon an hour and 10 minutes faster than his first marathon attempt. And I was completely gobsmacked. I thought, well, you know, there must be something in this. And so I began to do some research. I you know, looked up on PubMed and I realised actually there are quite a lot of studies to suggest improved recovery rates in between athletic exertion with plant based diets and and I also just began to really delve deep into the literature and understand that there were a host of other benefits, not just for athletes. And I wasn't an athlete by any means, um, but for my patients. And that's what got me excited, because you know, these, are th this are, these are things that we die of. This is personal stories. This is my, my patients, my own family. Um, every, every family will have somebody that suffers from heart disease or cancer. Um, and these are things that can be improved through plant-based nutrition. Uh, and so, yeah, it really did fuel my interest and excitement. And that's where the magic happened because after a while I gained confidence um, from what the literature was telling me. I gained confidence from being able to do it myself. I gave plant-based nutrition a try at home. I didn't tell anybody. I just thought, well, let's see how it goes. Um, and it turned out to be easier than I was expecting. And what I noticed personally was that when I went running, I used to get a lot of knee pain. Um, when I was in my 20s, I used to have to wear knee supports when I went running. Um, but that's all that all disappeared. Um, and crucially, when I got my blood panel checked just a month after switching to a more plant based approach. So I went completely plant based. I was able to um, improve my blood lipids so that I no longer had any blood um, lipid issues at all. So for me, that was a real win. Um, and so, yeah, it was um, it, it gave me the confidence I needed to then start talking to my patients about it. Um, and as I say, that's uh, that was where it became really special indeed. That's incredible. It's so wonderful to hear the kind of benefits that you experienced as well. In terms of when you did start to bring it into practice, I read something really wonderful about your glove. Is it a gloves technique um, that you use with your patients? Um, do you still use that in practice or, um, and if so, can you tell us a bit about it? I do, you know, I do. It's a very handy little mnemonic because it helps people to keep in mind the things that, that, that will really help them. Um, and gloves stands for gratitude, um, love, um, organic, which includes um, regenerative agriculture, which I can go into details with, uh, vegetables, exercise and sleep, um, gloves. Now, I it's, it's interesting because when you delve deeper into it, people, people will think, oh, it's a bit corny to talk about gratitude and love. But honestly, I do think that it's one of the main cornerstones of having a healthy mind and body. Um, and organic, basically, I'm trying to say, you don't have to buy everything organic. Um, but there are definite benefits into understanding where your food comes from and how it's grown. We're living in a society now where we have no clue where our food comes from. It's all prepackaged in a supermarket. And for the most part, things are grown conventionally using pesticides and tillage agriculture, which is really negative for the soil and for the nutrients in our soil and for the topsoil being able to um, 
stay where it is and not get washed away so there's there's quite a uh, there's quite an emergency i would say in the way that we're growing our food um, and it could well be that in the next 60 to 100 years that we lose all the topsoil that we currently have because it gets washed away with the rainwater um, and that's because of how we farm at the moment and i'm not placing any blame on farmers they are complete agricultural superheroes it is incredibly difficult to grow food um, but we do have to think about where it comes from and how we can grow food that sustains us now and in the future so that's the nod to that um, vegetables encompasses fruit and veg all the colors of the rainbow trying to eat as many different um, varieties of fruits and vegetables as we can um, and E gives homage to the importance of exercise, moving your body. Um, you don't have to have a gym membership. You don't have to be an athlete. You just have to remember to move your body as much as you can throughout the day. Try and take breaks from sitting at the computer as we all do now. Um, and sleep. It's important to really prioritize sleep where so many of us don't. It's very easy to think, well, I've got so much to fit in. Sleep is the last thing on the list, but it really should be a priority for optimal health. So that's that's a brief summary of my gloves mnemonic. <laughs> I love it. I think it's fantastic. And how did you, because this is really, it's not very common for doctors. A lot of people think that they go to the doctors and they get prescribed their sort of tablets that they need to help fix their problem that they have. How did you bring a plant-based diet into um, a GP practice and also this, the, your gloves approach? How did you start to, what would a typical sort of appointment look like with a patient? Well, things are a lot different at the moment because of the, the pandemic. Um, so I'm doing a lot more telephone consultations rather than face-to-face -face consultations. Um, but the same kind of principles apply. And in fact, in the past, sometimes all it's taken is one telephone conversation to really shift someone's outlook and perspective on what they feel they can achieve. So it is possible even now, although it is admittedly more difficult. Um, I... I actually have a framework for talking to patients about behaviour change as well, um, which is helpful for other healthcare professionals, um, and it's certainly helpful for me. Um, shall I share that mnemonic as well? <laughs> okay. Um, it's called Blend It. Um, and B in Blend stands for Believe. Um, you have to believe that your patient is capable of change and they have to also believe that they're capable of change. Uh, and that's something that you can build up with your therapeutic relationship. And arguably, it's just as powerful, if not more so than the placebo effect. So being able to communicate with your patient in a way that shows that you believe in them, you believe in their ability to create change in their life. Um, and you also have to believe in the intervention that you're suggesting, because, you know, so often you know, you, you quote guidelines um, and you follow protocols. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the power of plant-based nutrition, that's something that isn't so well known. And, you know, for me, it's been really powerful to be able to share some data with my patients um, that help them to believe what's possible. So belief is really important. And that's always step one. Um, the L in Blender is listen. I mentioned before how important it is to really listen to your patients and where they're at in their journey. Um, and that also means um, if you've got a one-to-one face-to-face -face consultation, actually looking at your patient, really looking at them. It's so easy to get caught up on looking at the laptop and making sure that you're filling in all the different bits and pieces. But even that initial eye contact as they first come in, you give them all your attention as they're sitting down. Basic things, but they really do help that consultation to go much more smoothly. Patient feels heard. Uh, patient is much more receptive then to talking about things that they want to try and change in their lives, which is really important. Um, e in Blendit stands for evoke. So what you need to do then is evoke in the patient what their life could be once they've started to make the changes. And this is very personal to them. So you know, if you've got somebody who's daughter is getting married and they want to be able to walk her down the aisle pain-free so that their peripheral vascular disease isn't causing their calves to seize up then that's what you can get them to imagine um, if they have um, autoimmune arthritis and their joints are seizing up each morning then you get them to imagine a future self where um, you know their hands are feeling a lot lighter a lot freer and they're a lot more able to move them things like that um, and in order to help them 
have these kinds of um, positive feelings about change, you ask them, how would it feel when you can do this thing? What will you notice when? Which are really important questions because then it gets them to engage their imagination in what's possible. And then that will, again, fuel potential change in what they're doing day to day. Um, and it's also quite useful to ask them um, how they managed to help themselves in the past, because then they can bring forth ideas about times in their life when they were able to previously help themselves in a situation and that they did have the resources and tools, um, which gives them, again, a bit more self-confidence to moving forward in, in making changes to their lives. Um, the N in Blendit stands for no bossing. So this is a tough one, especially for doctors, because you know, <laughs> we love to fix things. <laughs> we love to tell people what to do, um, but but we mustn't because um, because nobody likes to be told what to do. <laughs> Basically, nobody likes to be told what to do, um, and it can be quite quite challenging for patients, and they can potentially become quite resistant to change if you're telling them what you think needs to be done. So that's an important one. Um, remember to find out what's actually really important to them and what they feel they can achieve and then work from there. Um, um, D stands for desire. Again, it's about building desire. So once you've got them to, to imagine this positive future, then you get them to a point where they can actually start to really want it start to really feel as though it's possible and that that's the direction in which they want to go um, and again that that really helps to fuel behavior change um, and the last bit blend it um, i stands for information so you ask them would you like some information is there anything that you think would help you move forward with this plan and um, that i could provide for you um, so just ask always ask rather than just giving them the information that you think that they would need because again they might not be in a place where they want it and t stands for timed so it's um, it's like any kind of goal. It really helps to have a specific time frame in mind so that you can um, make certain steps towards that goal um, and, and make it much more practical for them. So you can ask them, how long do you think you will need before you make this change or that change? Um, what do you think is possible? And so it gets them to be really specific in how they're going to move forward. Um, so yeah, th those are some basic tips. It's quite hard to fit that all into 10 minutes, but if you've got at least the framework in your mind, um, then you can add little prompts here and there. Uh, and of course, the information and timed is the much more practical aspect of it. So once you've asked them a few initial questions and got them to tell you why they want to make changes, then that's where you can just um, really go forward with asking them what information they need and asking them what time frames they have in mind. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's really interesting to know that you know the psychology behind someone making a positive change in their lives. Um, do you remember the first patient that you prescribed a plant-based diet and maybe some lifestyle advice to, and if they had any benefits? I, I do actually, you know, I, I've, I've talked about lifestyle change for many years, but I do have a, a particular moment with the first patient that I thought, mm, let's try plant-based advice and um he's a lovely gentleman he he works um as a driver for the for the airport and he came in and he sat down in the consultation room um and he looked really depressed and he slumped in the chair and he said doctor i've been sent home from work and i'm not allowed to go back and uh i thought right okay um so i asked him what happened like what's going on he said that they had a um, on-the-spot medical and he was asked to have his blood pressure checked and it was sky high. And they said it was so high that they were revoking his driving license and he had to come to the doctor for blood pressure monitoring treatment and then a, an official medical to allow him to go back to work. So he was absolutely distraught. He really loved his job and he didn't want to be in this situation at all. He was slim. Um, you know, he didn't have any other particular medical problems, um, but he was a South African and he loved his meat. He'd have a lot of it. And so we talked through the options and I said, well, with the blood pressure as high as yours, it's about 180 over 100 at that time, which normal should be around, you know, less than 130 um, over 80. Um, I said, we probably would need at least three different tablets and we'd start them off at low dose. Realistically speaking, you'd need at least three to try and get that blood pressure down. 
He said, I don't want to be on tablets for the rest of my life. I said, well, the other option is to start really shifting things in your lifestyle. He said, but I'm already active. I, I you know, I'm, I exercise, you know, I, I eat quite well. Uh, you know, what else can I do? And I said, well, <laughs> there is something else. <laughs> I said, how willing are you to try something new? He said, I'll do anything, anything. I was like, right, okay. <laughs> so I tentatively explained to him some of the incredible benefits of a plant-based diet. I explained why. I explained um, simple tips and hacks, like making sure he um, ordered some um, ground up flax seeds. I'd read a couple of small studies on the benefits of flax seeds for helping blood vessel flexibility, which is going to be really important if you're trying to bring your blood pressure to a more normal level. Um, I told him some simple breakfast, lunch and dinner ideas, um, and I gave him some resources that he could try because he was really willing for change you know, he was desperate to get back to work and as quickly as possible so i i didn't hold out that much hope that his blood pressure would change particularly like i thought maybe it would come down to about 160 maybe and then we would you know, then he would be in a position where he was able to accept medication however <laughs> when he came back to me i think it was a week or no more than two weeks later i was absolutely gobsmacked because I checked his blood pressure and it had completely normalized. It had gone down to normal, 120 over 80. And I, I, I couldn't quite believe it. And I thought this must be perhaps an error. So I asked him to come back again. Um, we checked it again, it was completely normal. He came back a third time, I did his medical, completely normal. He hadn't needed any medications to get his blood pressure back to normal. And he went back to work and was a very, very happy man. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. Do you, do you have any other, as much as you can share, um, kind of stories from patients that, that this has helped so much? Because it's kind of groundbreaking for a lot of people to hear that something like this could even reverse things. Have you? I know that um, you've mentioned in the past um, sort of heart issues and diabetes and even beneficial to um, people suffering with different types of cancer as well. Um, have you witnessed any um, other people benefiting from a plant-based diet? I have. And what's interesting is that you know, different people come to it for different reasons. And then sometimes they end up having other benefits as a byproduct. So, um, I mean, with regard to people with high blood pressure, um, my first patient was a real wow moment. Um, but having said that, there are many other people for whom similar results have happened. Not everybody gets such a dramatic drop. I had a chap in his 80s whose blood pressure we, we managed to get from um, 160 to around 140, 135, which I still think is absolutely incredible. Um, but you don't always necessarily get the big dramatic drops, especially if your blood pressure, if your you know, blood vessels are, have a certain level of stiffening or calcification in them. You're not necessarily going to get the same incredible shift but it can happen and the same is true for other things so I had one patient who was who came to me predominantly because she was really struggling with her bowel motions she had a diagnosis um, of colitis she was constantly rushing to the toilet she said her life had become a misery because it was just constantly um, revolving around hospital appointments and trying to plan her life around where the nearest toilet was and whether she could actually leave the house um, and as it as it happened, she also had an autoimmune condition, primary sclerosing cholangitis. She had um, asthma. She you know, she got quite low as a result of you know, the changes that were going on. She was, as I say, constantly um, seeing one specialist or another. She had a kidney specialist follow up because of um, long term kidney disease. Um, so she was quite fed up overall. Uh, and so we talked about well, how can we how can we try and make things better? She was already on plenty of different medications. She was under all these specialists. So I said, well, why don't we try, why don't we try making a shift in what you're eating? Um, and, you know, she was quite keen because she, again, she'd reached a point where she thought, well, I feel like I've tried everything, so why not give it a go? Um, so we talked about the power of a plant-based diet together and she was, was willing to give it a really good go. Um, and then she came back to me and it's interesting because, you know, in the NHS, you do suggest to people that they come back for follow up, but you can't necessarily follow up on everybody. You have to wait for them sometimes to come back to you. 
Um, and she did. She came back um, several months later. And, you know, she, she looked, there was something really different about her. <laughs> she was wearing her makeup, which, you know, I, I always thought was probably quite a good sign that she was feeling better. Um, and she said, Doctor, I just wanted to come and thank you. And I said, why? She said, well, my bowel motions are brilliant. Like, I'm very regular. Um, I'm, I'm going twice a day and uh, I said well that's good she said I know when I'm gonna go um, and I'm not constipated and I haven't got overflow diarrhea anymore and I'm able to plan days out with my friends this was pre-pandemic um, and uh, she said but what's incredible is I've actually been able to um, be discharged from my outpatient appointments I said what do you mean she said, well, my consultant can't believe the progress I've made. I've been able to come off the medications. And he said that he doesn't need to see me anymore. And I said, well, that's great news. She said, yeah. And she said, oh, and also my kidney specialist, he said he didn't need to see me anymore either because my kidney function had improved so greatly. I said, oh, great, that's fantastic. She said, and my asthma's improved. <laughs> I don't need my inhalers as, as much anymore. I've basically stopped using them. And I, I was like, oh my goodness checked her lung function it was really good and of course she was feeling a lot better in herself as well she was a lot happier and it really struck me that this is something that can be really life-changing for people and they just don't know it and this is what fuels my passion because I'm thinking you know it yes it's not a panacea it won't necessarily make much difference to everybody but for those for whom it does then it's a real real lifesaver and that's why I'm so passionate about getting that message out there. That's incredible. It's so wonderful to hear as well, um, kind of how people are benefiting from it. What would you say for, in terms of our, the meats we're eating at the moment and the fish, what, do you think it's um, the types of meats and fish that we're eating, how it's farmed? Um, what would you say, or do you think that a plant, we can live and thrive off a fully plant-based diet? Um, do you have any opinions on that? Yes, I mean, it's interesting because the American Academy of Dietetics and also the British Dietetic Association, they both say that um, a well-planned plant-based diet is helpful at any stage of the life cycle. And the Americans go one step further and say that it can actually help to prevent um, or improve certain diseases. Um, the ones I've mentioned, essentially, heart disease and cancer are biggest killers in the Western world. So yes, it most definitely is possible and beneficial um, to be 100% plant-based. I would add a caveat that I think um, it's important to look at a couple of supplements to make sure that you have everything that you need, which I can come on to. With regard to um, you know, meat and fish, it, it's a big question. I think basically studies show that we are most of us eating far too much meat um, and it's just not sustainable for our personal health but also for the planet. Um, the World Health Organization tells us that processed meats like sausages and salami and uh, pepperoni and you know, turkey twizzlers and um, uh, what else, uh, bacon, these are all class one carcinogens, so we know that they're cancer causing. Um, red meat is a class two carcinogen, a probable cancer causing um, food. And people don't necessarily know that. So that's one place to start. Um, I think that uh, there's not enough data to say that we would have to go 100% plant-based to get all the benefits. Um, so, you know, I think going as far as you feel um, you could fit into your lifestyle is fine and you hopefully will start to see the benefits but from personal experience and from looking at the data the more vegetables and fruits and whole grains and beans and lentils and peas the better basically tofu as well tempeh these are all really healthful foods they've got a lovely mix of protein and fiber phytonutrients antioxidants vitamins minerals you know you're getting all the good stuff um, when it comes to fish, historically that has been a healthy food. Yes, it does contain saturated fat and it doesn't have fibre, but it has very healthful omega-3 fatty acids. And fish has been a fairly central component of a lot of certainly coastal dwelling humans for a long time. Um, but I think that fish isn't necessarily as healthful as it once was. You know, the, the fish in the ocean, especially farmed fish, are exposed to a lot of heavy metals, uh, dioxins and 
um, microplastics, um, other environmental pollutants. And bigger the, the bigger the fish, the more exposure it has because um, it's higher up the food chain. And if we look at it like that, we begin to realize that we are, in, a, in essence, the apex predator. We're at the top of that food chain. And so when we're eating that fish, we're also eating all of the um, other harmful substances that those fish have had to ingest as well. So I think overall fish is still a health food, um, but if you are going to be eating fish, I would recommend going for wild caught. I would recommend going for the smaller fish rather than a larger fish um, and perhaps limiting it uh, to two or three times a week. I personally don't eat fish and um, I like to have an algae oil supplement, which is essentially um, pure ready-made long chain omega-3 fatty acids from algae, which is incidentally where the fish get theirs from. So it's a lovely way of cutting out the middleman. Oh, fantastic. That's, that's So in terms of cutting out the middleman, certain documentaries and things that have come out have done the structure of being able to cut out the middleman, say the cow or the, the animal. What's your take on, can we get the nutrients that we need purely from a plant-based diet? Because I know that you've mentioned things in the past about the bioavailability of foods. And I remember something about the bioavailability of calcium and broccoli over cow's milk. Um, yeah, could you talk a little bit about that and uh, maybe dispel any myths about um, sort of vitamin deficiencies that people might experience on a plant-based diet? Yeah, absolutely. I think what's really interesting is that um, we all have a supplemented diet in one way or another. Um, a few years ago, um, lots of people suffered from severe iodine deficiency in certain parts of the UK. In fact, it used to be called Lancashire Neck, where you had a big thyroid because there wasn't much iodine in the soil there. And so, you know, we, we have iodine supplementation in cow's milk, um, which has come from the um, processes that they use to sterilize the milk that's uh, produced from the cow. Uh, in the US, there's a lot of iodized salt. So you sprinkle salt on your food and you get the iodine that way. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting. Bread, we have already supplemented with um, thiamine, other B vitamins, um, and so, yeah, cereals, margarines, um, plant milks, there's a lot of, um, unbeknownst to us, there's a lot of supplementation already happening to everybody's diet. And so looking at supplements as being unnatural, I think is probably slightly outdated because we use supplements day to day without even realizing to make sure that our diet is um, as broad in terms of nutrients as possible. When you're on a fully plant-based diet, vitamin B12 is really important. I would recommend everybody take a B12 supplement if you're fully plant-based. The reason for B12 being so important is because it's made by microbes in the soil. And so when you're eating an animal that's eaten grass, like a cow, uh, then you're eating, uh, then they are eating the B12 from the soil or from untreated water, and then you are eating their, their muscle. So you're getting it vicariously through them, if you like. Um, however, many cows these days don't munch on grass. They get fed um, in large lots and they get supplemented with uh, feed that has B12 in it. So they already provide a vitamin B12 supplement for the cows that we then again just eat because it's in their muscle after they've had it in a supplement. So it's, it's as you said earlier, you're sort of cutting out the middleman by just taking a B12 supplement that way. Um, I wouldn't recommend people eat soil or drink untreated water. Um, we um, we definitely don't want to catch you know cholera or you know anything like that. So yes, I think having having certain level of sanitation is really good thing, um, but it's just about being mindful of where your vitamin B12 comes from. Now, interestingly, vitamin B12 can actually be made by our gut microbes if we have a lovely broad range of gut microbes in our in you know within our gut. But that's not something that I would recommend relying on because everybody is different in the amount of um, gut bugs they have in the ability to absorb nutrients and it's such a simple thing just to take a quick supplement um, of b12 um, so yeah and also just to say sometimes b12 can be deficient whatever you're eating if you're over the age of 50 if you have diabetes you're on diabetes medications you're on any antacid medications uh, you have any other issues that cause you to, to really struggle with absorbing nutrients, you could well develop B12 deficiency. And most people in the world who have a B12 deficiency are not plant-based. 
Um, so yes, definitely take a B12 supplement if you are concerned uh, and if you're fully plant-based, just have it as part of your normal routine. Um, with regard to other nutrients of interest um, or key nutrients to think about, I did mention iodine. I think for everybody that's probably an issue. Luckily, loads of plant milks are also now supplementing with iodine. So it's not just cow's milk that you can get that from. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention brands, but there are several brands now in the UK that do supplement with iodine, which is great. Uh, you can also get um, like a, an iodine supplement if you want as part of your multivit. Um, and yeah, you can also get it from sea, seafood and seaweed. So nori sheets that you use to make sushi, they've got, they're a good source of iodine. Um, what else can I say? I mentioned about the algae oil, which I think is great. Vitamin D, again, for everyone, this is not particularly exclusive to a plant-based diet because most of the vitamin D, as you probably know, uh, we create um, through our skin from sunlight exposure. And at this northerly latitude, we're not getting hardly any sunlight, not enough to make vitamin D. So I think that that's actually a really important one that um, is, is really important for everybody to consider. If you don't know that you're low, then taking one to 2,000 units a day of vitamin D would be beneficial. If you are already very low in vitamin D because you've had a blood test with your doctor that shows that, then they'll guide you as to having an increased dose and what that should look like. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. And in terms of protein, um, I've had, I taught um, a beginner's guide to a plant-based diet um, to my friend's yoga students um, a couple of weeks ago. And I had a lot of women who were worried about um, needing an increased amount of protein uh, later in life and how they wouldn't be able to get the protein through a plant-based diet. And I do see this, um, I think a lot of people worry about getting protein through a plant-based diet. Um, is this something that you've, you experience when you advise um, or what, what would you say about getting enough protein or how much do we actually need? Uh, have you read the book Proteinaholic by Dr. Garth Davis? No, but I'll write that down. <laughs> it's a really interesting book because it goes through a lot of the scientific data. And in actual fact, many of us are eating far more protein than we need, including people on a plant-based diet. The good news is that um, plants basically are the original source of protein and all proteins and essential amino acids can be found in plant foods so you won't necessarily get every single amino acid in every single plant food individually but when you're eating them together over the course of a few days you will get everything that you need so tofu and tempeh and um, edamame sources of, of soy essentially have all essential amino acids but other plant foods just have them in a mix and match uh, mix and match sort of way so if you have you know beans and rice you've got all the amino acids and you know, whole grain pasta um, and different kinds of pulses chickpeas lentils beans you know all these kind of things they they all contain all the different amino acids in different quantities so it's just about making sure that you have a lovely varied uh, plant-rich diet and you'll get everything that you need they are right to say that our protein requirements do slightly increase after about the age of 65 and it's important to make sure that you are getting enough but actually one of the most important things assuming that you have a generally healthy varied diet is uh, resistance training actually so that you're you're keeping the muscle bulk that you already have to avoid muscle wasting so it's probably Assuming that you have a generally healthy plant-rich diet, uh, the main thing I would say is actually to really emphasize um, resistance training to help you to keep the muscles that you have um, rather than you know, really worrying about that extra protein and where you're getting it from. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much. I think that um, it's quite an emotional topic, um, plant-based food, because our food can kind of be our identity. Um, in terms of things like um, arthritis and bones um, and even a plant-based diet with pregnancy, um, are these things that you have um, dealt with or would you advocate a plant-based diet um, during pregnancy and also to maybe reduce inflammation in arthritis? Um, are these topics that you've ever covered? They are. In fact, they're all covered in my book, Plant Power Doctor. <laughs> yes, um, I talk about plant-based diets for all ages and how you can sort of um, adjust to suit your needs. Um, it's interesting the way you mentioned how you know we can feel that um, the food we eat has become our identity. I think 
you're right in a lot of ways it does become very emotional um because there's so much to food you know we don't just eat for hunger you know we eat for connection we eat for comfort we eat for tradition we eat for um you know things that our family are eating friends are eating we eat for unconscious reasons you know we'll, we'll walk by an ad billboard and then we'll subconsciously fancy the food that we saw uh, and there's just a million other reasons why we eat the things that we do um, and what I would love is for for people to actually just feel really excited about um, really looking after their bodies and eating foods that have an abundance of um, taste and nutrition. So for me, the focus isn't necessarily even about taking stuff away. It's about adding stuff in and feeling so good about that, that you just enjoy it so much and making simple swaps to your favorite meals. Um, so that you can enjoy them and get the health benefits as well, rather than feeling as though you're restricting yourself. I think it's really important to just feel as though you're on a new adventure and experimenting with all sorts of new and interesting tastes and flavors and textures and having fun with it. Um, that's how I, I would love for people to see it. Um, but yeah, um, so you mentioned about, um, what was the question? <laughs> sorry oh, sorry, <laughs> it was a bit sort of diverse, but, um in terms of pregnancy and a plant-based Pre diet yes right <laughs> so see i think yes absolutely it's possible i would i would advise everybody to take their prenatal supplement uh, regardless of what their diet is especially um it, it, their folate supplement having said that people on a plant-based diet will naturally have a lot more folate in their diet which is great um, but yeah, it's important to make sure you're getting everything you need. So I would recommend the omega-3s. I would also recommend making sure that your prenatal supplement contains iodine um, and you know, all the other micronutrients that the supplements will have. Um, but yes, it's, it is absolutely possible. Try not to worry too much if you don't have much of an appetite in the first trimester because most likely you, you could potentially be suffering from quite a lot of nausea. That's what a lot of women have. And so you're not necessarily going to feel like having big salads or, you know, foods that you would normally crave. Um, and that's okay. Just listen to your body. Um, your body's telling you what it needs. Sometimes it helps to have things like um, soups or stews or smoothies that you can just sip on, um, which have the nutrients, but also you don't have too much in the way of, um, kind of raw foods that, that can sometimes cause you to feel a bit nauseated if you're pregnant. Um, and then, you know, moving on throughout the pregnancy, yes, there's lots of benefits to um, having plant-based nutrition. Um, I've talked about this quite a lot in different podcasts and there's a section on my website about it as well, as well as in the book. Um, but it's also important to notice that, you know, when you're pregnant, you're not actually necessarily eating for two. Your calorie, your overall sort of energy needs um, are not that much greater. Um, in fact, the, probably the, the, the biggest uh, increase in your, your energy needs are when you're breastfeeding. So you're going to need about an extra 500 calories a day or thereabouts just from feeding your baby. But prior to that, probably about 350 extra in the last trimester, which isn't actually a lot more if you, uh, yeah. So, so, so try not to eat double what you normally would. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you. And I'm so excited to have your book on order. And I also made your berry cobbler um, yesterday, which was one of the recipes on your Instagram. And I just love, love your Instagram. And I think your recipes are fantastic. So I'm so excited to try the new book. Oh, um, <laughs> can you tell us a bit about um, the new book, The Pump Power Doctor? and what people can find in the book. And I think people struggle a lot to um, find resources, especially from a doctor. So I think this is, I'm so excited to read it. And I know a lot of people will be too, because um, it's a very um, kind of solid resource. Um, so can you just chat a bit about it and what we can expect? Oh yes, I mean, basically what I wanted to do with the book was provide a one-stop shop for anybody who had any questions about about health and different diseases and also how to implement a plant-based lifestyle so it has pretty much everything in it um, but what I like about it and I can't take full credit for this it was the amazing team um, with my publishers is that they were able to I asked for it to be colorful vibrant inviting so we've got different colors for each chapter um, there's lots of the beautiful illustrations that my good friend has drawn uh, lovely photography hopefully we'll draw 
more people in. Um, I talk about the basics of what whole food plant-based diets are. Um, there's a chapter on longevity, a chapter on immune health, uh, rethinking cancer, how fat influences our health, heart health, um, resetting the skin, hormones and health, a healthy gut. Um, and then the next section is all about the simple switch to plant power. So I talk about mastering those building blocks and for families and supplements. And also uh, there's a section with a meal planner, your plant power kitchen, staples that you want to buy. Um, and some really simple ideas for each of the meals so you can get yourself started. Um, and yeah, there's some key references in the back. So you talked about wanting specific information and where it came from. I've put all the key references at the back of the book, as well as um, a link to the website, because I wasn't able to put all the references that I used in the book. I used nearly 600 references and we couldn't put them all in print. So uh, we have listed every reference by sentence and chapter on my website. So if there's something that you want to look up and you're not sure about or you'd love to learn more about, all you need to do is go to the chapter on my website and then click on the sentence which it pertains to and you will find the reference that I'm talking about there as well. Fantastic. That's that's brilliant to let people know that it's it's all from research and just all of your work as doctor. I know that you're also part of a founding member and um, on the board of Plant Based Prof Professionals UK. Can you talk a bit about that and um, what's your take on how people, especially in the UK, are perceiving a plant based lifestyle? Because I feel like it's kind of coming out of the woodwork. Um, a little bit and um, can you tell people a bit about the work that you're doing there? Yeah absolutely Plant-Based Health Professionals UK is a lovely organisation it was founded by Dr Shireen Kassam she's a haematologist um, and she's a, an advocate for plant-based nutrition and it's really grown over the last few years we provide conferences anybody can be a member you don't have to be a medical professional to be a member uh, and the beauty of that is you get access to loads of um, webinars, uh, replays, um, social events. Um, and it's just about getting the word out there to people who wouldn't otherwise have known the benefits of plant-based nutrition. Um, and they've also set up something online, which I haven't been a part of, but it's really exciting. And it's it's called Plant-Based Health Online. It's an online program um, where you can get one-to-one -one bespoke medical advice, uh, which you can basically use as a proper medical consultation. I think a lot of people do try to contact doctors through social media, asking specific questions about their own life and their own conditions. And that's that's not something that we can offer advice or support on. Um, obviously, for ethical reasons, we don't know your background or your medical conditions or your history. And so the beauty of Plant-Based Health Online is that it's a way of accessing um, that all-encompassing service with dietitians and different doctors of different specialties, all of whom have personal experience of plant-based nutrition, um, who can provide that lovely bespoke support. So although that's not something that I've been a part of, I'm really supportive of it. I think it's a service that we've needed for a long, long time. So I'm really thrilled that they're offering that. And um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely and growing organisation. Um, so I'm really proud to be one of the founding members and really excited to see how much it's grown as well. Oh, fantastic. I've, I listened to your talk, actually, one, um, I think there's a video on your website, and it's really interesting. So for anyone that's listening now, head